Welcome to the Literary Lunch Podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Sandra O'Donnell, and I'm flying solo today. My partner, Laura Rothschild, is not going to be joining me on this interview, but I have a really interesting project to talk to you about. I'm interviewing Sarah Bellinger and Cameron Bowling Davis about their new book, North Alabama Beer and Intoxicating History. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this book with you all today is because it's a great example of how you can take a niche interest or a very localized topic and turn that into a book with a traditional publisher. So um, the ladies worked with History Press, and I'm going to let them talk about how they got hooked up with History Press and what the process of getting you know the contract with, about the book was. But I just think it's fascinating that they've managed to take something that's fairly localized, do the research, um, come up with this really interesting, really well-written book, and now they're doing all their marketing, and they're getting out there, and they're um, selling books, and they're having all these events around the books, and that's really exciting too. And the other thing that I find fascinating about uh, Sarah and Cameron's story is their partnership, because Laura and I talk about it all the time. Writing is not a solo act. We don't want people sitting around by themselves, slogging through the writing process. And I love that Sarah recognized that she had some limitations and things that she needed help with. And as a result, she brought camera on and they um, developed this really great writing partnership and they're having so much fun. So without further ado, Let's hear from Sarah and Camera and talk about beer. So ladies, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to have you here. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about kind of the um, epitus of the book. And uh, from what I understand, North American beer and intoxicating history is really kind of a hybrid project in some ways. It is traditional, but you were approached by the publisher, I think, and I'm going to let you get into that a little bit more. But it is an, um, the imprint is American Palette, which is an imprint of History Press, which is also an imprint of Arcadia Publishing. So Arcadia Publishing would be the parent company. Um, tell me a little bit about how that all works. Um, for me, I was actually working on um, pulling together for self-publishing a um, craft beer cookbook that took place in Huntsville. So because I'm a food photographer and writer, uh, it was kind of a good combination. And So you've um, always been interested in beer. Beer is yeah, a thing. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah, so it wasn't a new, it was certainly not a new um, interest for me. Okay. So, um, and then I, my, my brother's former co-worker had just written the Birmingham beer book and History Press was looking for someone to do the Huntsville beer book. Okay. And so she mentioned it to him and because they knew that I was currently trying to do a craft beer cookbook, um, they asked, they kind of, my brother kind of mentioned it in a side conversation. So um, I knew that they were either, the book was going to be my competition or I could just write it. But changing the scope of it to a history book was a really new experience. So that's you know why I brought Cami in too. Okay, and did you guys know each other before that? We did. We actually met at uh, the Montesano Writers Conference about two years before we started the book. Um, okay, we both got lost in a parking lot and ended up finding each other. So you met at a right. See, I love that. Yes, yeah, I love that because I talk. We talk about Laura and I on the on the podcast and and when we're doing um, conferences and speaking engagements, we talk about how important it is for writers to find other writers, and you never know where that's going to happen. Right, absolutely. Retreats are a great place to meet other writers. Conferences are a fantastic place Mm -hmm. to meet other writers. So you met Cami, and Cami said, "I'm a historian." So give us some of your background. Kimmy said, I'm lost. Do you know where this conference is at? <laughs> and Sarah said, me too. So we went to the conference, and towards the end, we had sat and talked, and we knew another, we had met another friend. And one of the big questions that we had was, is there a writer's group we could get into? So we asked that question, 
And it wasn't a great answer. So when we walked away from it, we said, well, since there's not one, let's just start our own. And so that's really where we went as far as like meeting and and talking writing together. Mm -hmm. And then as far as my background goes, I come from uh, a degree in political science and history with a minor in geography. I also tacked on a certification to teach secondary education. So I've spent a good part of my adult life writing curriculum, teaching history, um, reading, researching, I've always said if I could get somebody to pay me to research, I'd be the happiest person in the world. But um, that's where I come from is just the world of history and political science. And I think as a historian, as somebody with a PhD in history, I think reading and researching is um, an amazing background for becoming a writer. Because I think a lot of writers um, spend time with words on the page, but they don't have enough to say. And that's something that we see a lot when we're going through queries um, is we get beautiful writing and this is frustrating as a as an agent and as somebody who reads query after query after query one of the most frustrating things that we come up against is seeing beautiful words without any substance behind them there's no content there or no the story isn't interesting enough to hold a reader for any length of time and Mm -hmm. it just with a little bit of research and a little bit more Mm -hmm. curiosity about your subject you know then then your book really starts to sing right right so you didn't really have an interest in beer per se (laughs) other than just consuming just yes yeah my husband has always been a bit of a beer snob, so very familiar with different styles. I come, I prefer whiskey. Me uh, too, honey. Bourbon. bourbon girls. So, but it's been a natural progression, especially yeah. now that there is a huge pop in bourbon barrel beers. Yeah. So, yeah. But yes. Um, but I think you could say, Kimmy, I need a history of dirt, and I would be so thrilled to go research that for you. <laughs> I've always been, um, my mom said that growing up, I would just ask why, 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 and finally her final answer, I knew what the answer was going to be, because God wanted it that way. Yeah. When she wasn't, when she was done. She was done. God wanted it that way. (laughs) And I think both of us, because I I come from the journalism side, so neither one of us were necessarily literary, if you will. Yeah. Um, And so it was, we kind of worked well with each other, because it was both about what's the answer what's the truth mm-hmm. what's what is the the kind of soul of this story yeah. so so the book is not um the book is not a go here drink this beer book no, it's, it's really a history historical. yeah it's very historical yeah and, and a lot of that's modern history a lot yeah. of that's well you know, recent history yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah but um, we are the rocket city so our history exactly. even though we have a much older history our history really kind of started in the 1950s right yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. So. Um, so yeah, it is a very much history book. So. so how did you guys work together? Who did what? How did you decide who was going to work on which piece of the book? Well, I think because it was initially, um, my project, like starting out, um, and we, 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 we did, we got together, we sat down in January, I think three days after we had got the contract and we're kind of looking through everything. And we did kind of a division of labor. Yeah. Um, so as because I have a photography background, obviously I was doing all the photography. I was doing um, the majority of the writing because I have the journalism background. And then final voice, I had to say for final voice. Cami did all of the. Um, Cammie's far more fastidious and organized than I am. So she kept up with everything. So I am really sad to say that I just handed her my research at the end and was kind of like, good luck with the bibliography. <laughs> uh, and so she did the bibliography and um, the the Free the Hops chapter was purely like her research for the legislative stuff because it was so, it was by far our most complicated chapter to research. Um, yeah. So what's the most interesting thing you guys learned about beer or Huntsville beer while you were in the process of the book? For for me, it was just how 
long beer has been in North Alabama. So you kind of think of moonshine and you don't really think of beer per se as yeah. being here. But, but we have a strong German population here. We do, but when Huntsville first, um, their first commercial brewery was not created by Germans. So they came far later. So the first commercial breweries in 1819. And so that was long before the Germans were really yeah. here. So that was really surprising. We were surprised to have found a brewery and so much information about it. Mm -hmm. And for me also, how much I was able to pull from ads. That was a huge point of research was want ads and... Um, oh, wow. That's a Commercial. Cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I sat several days and Sarah did too in, in the archives looking through yeah. microfiche. And I would get so excited uh, that I would find an ad looking for barley or looking for grains right. yeah. and announcements that they were intending on purchasing to brew. And, of course, then you see how they... Um, really try to bring that with like their little illustrations and, yeah. and, and then it really, really gets interesting when you roll into Prohibition and the WTC. Right. So you starts right. advertising. Yeah. So. And then you have dry counties because I went to a school, small school right up the, the road. I went okay. to UNA, University oh, yeah. of North Alabama. Yeah. Um, for us two, by the us way. Two. Yeah. Really? Yeah, we're okay. you and grads. <laughs> um, go Lions. For I was there for like a year, and then I then I decided yeah. I could not be there anymore. Um, so <laughs> y'all actually did better than me, and uh, it was a dry county. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so I went to football games, and before football games, we literally went to a house mm -hmm. where a window slid up, and you slid your twenty across, and you got your moonshine or your, your bourbon or what, or and it was slid out, and there were shotguns. Mm -hmm. So that was in. Now everybody will know how old I am. That was in uh, 1978. So that's really not that long ago yeah. that there were moonshiners and people were bootleggers wow. coming across the county line. One of the, the articles, too, that we'd come across is, I think it was the, well, I don't want to say where it was, but the um, flea market, <laughs> they got shut down because they had a moonshiner in the very recent history yeah. um, that was selling um, fuel cleaner, is what he called it. But yeah. it was, it it was, was moonshine. actually moonshine. Yeah. I, yeah. I grew up in a town in a county that I, I literally thought would never go wet. Yeah. And they only went wet within the last five to six years. Yeah. And it's it's it, people that don't live in the South, that don't live in, in Alabama, mm -hmm. um, it's kind of crazy. Well, yeah. yeah. That you have to go to extremes. Like my husband is from Southern California and we moved here from Southern California and it, he is still dumbfounded that he cannot go into Kroger and buy liquor. <laughs> he just finds that. Well, my grandparents came and visited us. They, they live in Maine, Northern Maine and they came and visited and it was like, it's a dry county. They're horrified. They like almost <laughs> left and went back to Maine because it was a dry county. And then I can speak to coming from a dry county teetotaler parents yeah. that my family is not innocent. I knew who in my family had what and yeah. what they were doing and why they were in jail the next <laughs> Monday morning. But we did not see liquor, beer, wine anywhere. Yeah. In our, and even the surrounding counties, like if you went into a grocery store as you're traveling, it's not there. So even when I moved to Huntsville in 2001... And I made my first trip to the local grocery store. It was a bit jarring for me to see beer. Just, I mean, like I walked by and I'm like, hee 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 hee, I can put that <laughs> in my cart because I was not raised That's around it. Yeah, it. and it just wasn't available. It wasn't available. Yeah. not for purchase that way. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's interesting and it's fascinating. Um, I would I would highly recommend you guys pick up. You can get it on Amazon. So if yeah. you're listening to us and you are not from North Alabama, um, go on Amazon, pick up the book because it's fascinating in a number of ways. The history of beer in an area like um, Huntsville, which is mm -hmm. a Bible Belt area. Mm -hmm, definitely, yeah. So there's that influence. But also, if you have in you a book that is very specific. Mm -hmm. So this is a very specific book. It's for a very targeted audience. Um, 
take a look at this. If you are thinking about writing a book about you know, growing a certain kind of um, plant mm -hmm. in your area, you want to write the history of something in your specific area, take a look at the North Alabama Beer and Intoxicating History because it will really give you an idea of how a specific book can be done for a very specific area. I think that's that's a really cool thing for people who have that you know desire in them. Or even if it's not about your specific area, it might be a book about a specific topic. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. about crocheting or right. woodworking or something that you've learned to do and you have a very specific skill and you want to write a book around that, looking at a book like North North Alabama Beer and Intoxicating History will give you an idea of how to structure a book like that. So I think that's a and we had actually, when we first started, talked about this was a perfect first book for us. Yeah. Because it's so local. It's so, you know, part of something that we're really, really familiar with. And we wanted to kind of create a little local gem that... Well, and it, got, it allowed you to cut your teeth on exactly. publishing. On exactly. the whole... You got to see the Absolutely. whole project. Absolutely. Because you guys did, because it's a nonfiction title, mm -hmm. you had to do a book proposal. Yep. So tell, tell me a little bit about the book proposal. So the book proposal from History Press is I, pretty standard. Um, so they literally sent me what they wanted. So they sent me a form, and I want to say it was around six or seven pages. Okay. And then once I filled it in, um, I, I think it was around 14 pages. Okay, so you had a template. I did have on. a template, okay. yeah. Um, and it was very specific. I mean, they wanted to know how many Twitter, Twitter followers did we have and Facebook followers and were we going to do a Facebook page for the book mm -hmm. and what kind of marketing were we going to do and what books uh, were comparable to our book. And so it was a couple of weeks. It took me a couple of weeks to do the proposal and do the research to you know, send it off to them. We, and did, then you wait. we did all our own market research. They required that. And so we went and talked to all the local stores like Harrison Hardware, the Art Museum, anywhere mm -hmm. that we felt like this would be a title that they would carry because it's a local regional book. We talked to them, got ideas on how many they might order. Mm -hmm. So that was... And even after we sent the proposal, um, they kind of asked us how many books do you think we could sell and mm -hmm. so we had to keep on sending them more and more information so literally the day that they were trying to decide I was emailing them I just talked to Liquor Express and they said they'd carry a couple and so and so yeah. so we were really pushing um, to get them to and this is really important because fiction is sold by the heart Mm -hmm. It's a heart purchase. You read someone's story, you read a blurb about a, f a fiction title, and, and you get excited because it touches your heart or it makes you feel like you're going to um, you're gonna learn something emotionally mm -hmm. or there's going to be something there. Or you're going to just be wildly entertained. Mm -hmm. You know, right. uh, big, little, big Little Lies just swept the Emmys right. last yeah. night. Leanne Moriarty, who is one of my absolute favorite fiction writers, um, I know those books are going to be deeply entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, right. So fiction is sold, you know, just it's a, a whim or a, a heart purchase. Nonfiction mm -hmm. is sold to publishers based on the numbers. Right. And so we have, I get, you know, Laura and I get um, queries all the time from people that say, um, I have a finished manuscript for my nonfiction memoir, for my nonfiction mm -hmm. relationship book or and I always have to go back to the people and say, you have to write a proposal. We yeah. do not sell nonfiction, even a book as specific as mm -hmm. North Alabama beer, even though you had a connection with the publisher, mm -hmm. you could not sell that book to the publisher without a proposal. Mm -hmm. so you, the, the proposal is imperative. And selling a nonfiction title there's a lot of noise in nonfiction so you have to you have to be able to show who your market is and you mm -hmm. guys did that mm -hmm. before they would even consider doing a contract yes. with you which was nice because I like I said I had been working on the other beer books yeah. so a lot of that legwork had already happened yeah. so that definitely was in our favor for uh, being able to quickly pull up. Yeah, you have to show yeah. your market. You have to show what your market is. Right. Be. And yeah. it was, I mean, they wanted to know 
demographics. They want to know specifically who who are you writing this book right. for. So yeah, and it cool. helps because then when you start to write the book, you can see who your audience is. Yeah, if absolutely. you do the proposal, yeah, absolutely. I mean, even if I would. What didn't have a publisher, I would still do a proposal for yeah. myself. Yeah. And we tell people that all the time. The proposal yeah. really does. It helps you figure out what your chapters are. Right. But you it, had to have all that information for them. And, you get yeah. to see who your demographic is. You start thinking about the really important piece that comes after you write the book, which is mm -hmm. how are you going to market it? Yes. And you're doing that even before mm -hmm. you've even Absolutely. written the book, if you yeah. do the proposal and you yeah. do it well. So that's, I, I love that. Yeah. I think that's so, it's so cool that you guys um, did that and you did it with the emphasis on the audience and, mm -hmm. and the audience and the demographic and figuring out who this book was for. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just writing a book for yourselves. Right, which is a lot of work to write a book for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't know who your audience is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I will say, we pretty much took the proposal and we've just been checking off for our book tour places for the proposal. So we which have stuck great. to it pretty yeah. Pretty and the reason I wanted to have you guys on is because I think, you know, the, the kind of the story of the book is interesting. How you guys, you know, came to doing the book, I think mm -hmm. is fascinating. But the thing that um, that really got me excited about talking to you guys is the fact that you are killing it <laughs> in terms of marketing this book. And marketing the book is huge. It's yeah. such a big piece of what comes mm -hmm. after you write the book. And I see you guys, you're doing Facebook Live, you're... Yeah. Uh, you're everywhere. I mean, every time I open my Facebook, you know, Sarah and camera, Sarah and camera, which is great. It's what you yeah. want. So yeah. how did you figure out um, what what your marketing plan was going to be? And how have you, have you stuck to it? Have you veered from it? I mean, I think, what, so my, like, I think, my vision, and so Cami like is should talk me out of doing things, and she's like, "Yes, Sarah, let's do this." But I was like, "Let's hit every brewery in the book." So that was my initial. That's how I wanted to. Start. And how many breweries are in the book? There are fifteen breweries. Fifteen. Right. Okay. So you so. knew that was like a that was your base point. Right. Okay. So, but then, so what happened was we kept on adding. So then we started adding all the bottle shops that were in the book. And then we started adding, we have an event coming up for the um, Visitors Bureau. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're just sort of adding things as we go, mm -hmm. um, different library events. And, and so have the breweries been, were they like excited? How did yeah. you approach them? What was, when you, did you do like an email? Did you go in and door knock? Well, how, how did you approach even them? When, even during writing, before right. we even had a book. Sarah would say, I just talked to XYZ Brewery and they want us to do an event. Yeah, we were setting it up as we were going in. Okay. So this book's coming out around here and okay. we want to do an event. I started very out. early talking to the CVB about the book mm -hmm. and just kind of reminding them, this is coming, this is coming. Mm -hmm. And so they've been pretty... Well, they've been very excited. The convention and visitor yeah. bureau, yeah. And I work for them as well, so yeah. that's a nice. So a did nice you thing. did you keep a a calendar? Do you have things on Google Calendar or? Oh, we yes. I think, yeah we do have like a big. We actually have an Excel spreadsheet. Okay. Um, and I will say the publishing company sends so every time we set up an event and we tell them that this event is coming, they send a poster. Okay. Um, for the event. So a big book poster. It's smaller than smaller this. Smaller than this. Yes. Okay. I'm yes. pointing to, you guys can go yeah. on our uh, Instagram or our Facebook. I'm pointing to the book signing poster that I just got in the mail this weekend. Yeah. Super excited for uh, Kathleen Moran's book, Life Detonated. Um, she just sent that to me and we're going to, that's the poster we're taking. Yeah. And it's huge. It it's, is huge. Yeah. It's huge. It's much smaller. It's but, very yeah, exciting. It's, but, yeah. yeah. But it's important it because yes, you need to have that. It's a level of professionalism yeah. that it's just not us. And and I mean, both Cami and I, when we were kind of doing this book and even setting up interviews, we did not fail to mention that this was for History Press, mm -hmm. our publishing company. Yeah. And so I think that really kind of took us to the next level. That's it wasn't great. just a, a, a self-published self -published book. book. And there's nothing wrong with it right. being no, a self-published no, no. book. 
Um, but if you are going to do a self-published book, um, you need to look at what um, what people do yeah. that are traditionally published and steal like an artist, right? right. So right, you exactly. look at the best practices mm-hmm. of traditional publishing and, you know, having a poster. And you don't have to have, if you're doing self-published, you can create your own posters. I mean, this came yeah. through Amazon. And, and we definitely, I think the Staples people know us pretty well yeah. at this point. So, so you can create your own posters. You create your own, because you guys have done a lot of this up, over and above what your publisher provided you with. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. We did bookmarks. Mm-hmm. We've done coasters. We've had other parts of Huntsville. We're working on like a combination of a promotional piece mm-hmm. that would benefit both parties. So... Yes, you really have to think about what kind of um, Trotsky, I guess is yeah. the best word for yeah, it, yeah, yeah. that you can get your get the word out without breaking the bank because yeah. it is our it's our personal investment. Yeah, yeah, and that goes to something we were talking about before um, we started recording. We were talking about um, how things have changed in the in the publishing yeah. industry. Publishers are great. Um, one of the reasons I'm going to give a huge shout out to Amberjack. One of the the things that we've been so excited about with Amberjack Publishing is how supportive they've been of Kathleen's book. Mm-hmm. How many resources they provided for her. Um, you don't get a lot of that with some of the larger publishers because yeah. your book kind of gets lost in the shuffle unless you are a you know, um, John Gresham or a Leanne Murarty or, you know, somebody who has a really a proven track record. And then the publisher will go to great lengths. But if you are a debut author, if this is your first book of nonfiction, chances are you're just not going to get a lot of that support. Mm-hmm. So regardless of who you're publishing with, whether it's History Press or, or Amberjack, or even if you are um, with... Random House, mm-hmm. and you're not on the A list of authors at a large publisher. So much of that money and yeah. so much of that effort comes from the the author themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we've gotten several guides from the um, publishing company explaining mm-hmm. to us what we needed to do to to really promote the book. Mm-hmm. So we knew very we know knew going into it that a lot of that promotion was on us. Was on you. And so we talked early on about what are we gonna do, what are sort of our plans, how are we gonna promote this. And how are we gonna fit it all in? Because if our baseline was fifteen breweries, at one point I looked at Sarah and I said, We'll be doing this for fifteen weeks if we only do one brewery at, at a, a, week. a week. Right. Yeah. And we knew um, that we really needed to work a little faster than that, and so especially with the other uh, other events that we have that we wanted to tack on because we knew early that we wanted to do festivals, we wanted to be uh, go back to libraries and go into writers groups, yeah. civic organizations. Um, libraries are important. Absolutely, yeah. they're hugely yeah. important. Um, Laura and I talk all the time about librarians and how important they are. And librarians are the influencers, and a lot of yeah, people don't realize that librarians are huge influencers. Absolutely. So going to your public, we have a um, an event for Kathleen um, scheduled at the the public library here in town. We're really excited about that. Um, so going to your public library is is really important. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. As a writer, if you don't have a friend that's a librarian, you're not doing it right. Uh, I, I love that. I cannot tell you how many times I called my two friends that are librarians and said, I'm lost. Or how do I get this piece of information? Mm-hmm. Or am I really at a dead end? And yeah. they just were brilliant. So librarians are for while you're working on the book and also oh. when you're ready to promote the book. Oh, absolutely. And having those relationships is great. And we found just relationships in general. Mm-hmm. Like and, and that was the book tour was sort of a way for us to thank all the people that 
really have helped us yeah, and kind yes. of give them a shout out. But I mean, the the publisher, the even the breweries were kind of falling over themselves to you know get us what we needed. Mm-hmm. They've been really even good about for us promoting it, giving us stuff for giveaways mm-hmm. that That's we did fantastic. do. Yeah. So people were so excited to kind of see their story mm-hmm. come to life, and so um, everyone has even even like family members, of course, but even you know friends where you're just like, oh my gosh. That's and I think that's an important message, and I think it's something that people don't often tap into. When mm-hmm. when we were starting to think about promoting Kathleen's book, I had her make a list of all yeah. the. I said, "Who do you know?" Mm-hmm. And yeah. she at first she was kind of like, "Well, I, I know a few people," and then she started turning her list over to us, and I was like, "Holy crap, yeah. Kathleen! Yeah, you know the governor and the mayor right. and <laughs> this person and that person." And I mean, it just snowballed. Mm-hmm. And when she asked them to help they jump through hoops yeah and, so and it's important to know that absolutely yeah and, and that was the thing that was maybe one of the things that really surprised me is how fast people were to help us with everything yeah for no compensation just to help us just they to just help to be there and yeah and I, I think a lot of times authors are afraid to ask yeah yes absolutely. they're afraid to go to somebody and say will you um, let me do a signing in your library or can I come yeah. and speak to your group or mm-hmm. can we do this or can we do yeah they're just afraid to do it you were gonna say Kim. Uh, just for writing even when you're writing building those relationships I can remember sitting in the stacks going through information and there's obviously another gentleman right beside me doing kind of the same thing and I just as an aside said what are you working on and his project was similar and we were talking and he I had mentioned well I'm really looking for uh, Carrie Nation I want to see where she specifically was in Huntsville he said oh come on so he walks back into behind the in the locked safe Mm -hmm. and he waves to the person that's in charge of it he said I'm just going to pull this newspaper for Kenny here and he out he comes with this ancient newspaper and he said do you know the date and I said yeah it would have been this page range and so now I'm a hundred years into history in the actual newspaper and we find Carrie Nation where she was in Huntsville but it all came from that relationship of this other researcher that gives me chills and it's because you were willing to say hey what are you working on so you never know who's literally sitting next to you in the library that can help you. And I think that happened every single time mm-hmm. we went there. Uh, like, I had many a times where people would sort of, like, see at microfiche where they would they would tell you their uncle was a moonshiner mm-hmm. or this story or that story or kind of give you something. So every time we went into the libraries, there was someone there yeah. that was excited to and help us. That's a huge message yeah. for writers because, yeah. you know, we, we have in our head this idea that writing is this isolated, yeah, very solitary, painful yeah. experience mm-hmm. where you're just going and pulling your guts out all by yourself. And A, that's dumb. And we're trying to dispel that and get rid of that yeah. stupid notion. And B, it's not as productive. If you're yeah. trying to do it all on your own, you're doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that's the thing is like, what I think go to the book release and seeing so many people at the book release mm-hmm. that your had... book release party was okay I just have to say I went to I went to their book release party and it was so much fun okay. it was in a so it's in a um, a brewery that also um, tell it's me the brewery straight to ale straight to ale I'm still kind of new to the area so I'm still learning but it was in Straight to Ale, and inside Straight to Ale, there's a speakeasy. Yes, yes. behind hidden lockers. You have to go to, because yes. this is in an old school. Yes. Right. And I so you it. have to move the locker out of the way to get into this. Yeah. It's very cool. And the food was great, and the people were, I met lovely people. Again, it's going to these things and saying, yeah. you know, did you come for the beer? Or did you come for the book? You yeah. know, why are you guys here? Yeah. And uh, so it's great. You get to meet people, and you're, and it was killer. It was really a lot of fun. It was, and that's what we wa- that's what we wanted. Um, so early on, because I'd done the interview with Straight to Ale, and I was, they, they said, hey, it would be awesome if you had your release party. And then that's all they had to say. <laughs> Yeah. decided. I was like, yes, thank you, and, you know. Yeah. And, and our, um, 
release party, or, or, I'm sorry, our uh, publisher was really great to be able to provide money for the food. Mm -hmm. So they did help us um, with that. And the band that was there, that was just this guy that I met on a photo shoot. And he was excited that we wrote a book. So they totally helped us. They performed that was for great. free. And the and name of the band was? It was the Tea Time Band. But they, it's Randy Taylor. And he's awesome. And so yeah, they were that they, they were definitely interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting music, a lot yeah. of fun. They added another fun it was element. Like an element. Yeah, yeah, to to the book signing. And book signings should be fun. They should right. be a celebration. Yeah. Right. And that's what I was like, I don't want to just sit in a little bookstore waiting for people to come mm -hmm. say hello. So yeah. everything that we've done, we really tried to create an event, even at the Craft Beer Festival. Um, we had our bookmarks and we had pamphlets to give people and people would walk by and we'd ask them what they were drinking as opposed to here's my book, please buy it. Yeah. So we much more tried to engage in conversation and just have more of a relationship with them than yeah. talk about. Well, know? and Kimmy was talking earlier um, about... Um, when they go to these events, she said, even if people don't buy my book, you were talking about the touch thing. Yes, yes. Um, so one of the things that you have to keep in mind when you've got any kind of product, most people, unless they're already thinking about a product, if they see it for the first time, they're not going to immediately buy it. But that wasn't a wasted experience because now they might not remember the name of your book, but they might remember the concept. Mm -hmm. So then the next time they hear about it, oh, oh, yeah, those th those two girls we met at the beer festival, they wrote, oh, well, oh, here's an Amazon review. I think I'll go ahead and buy it. Mm -hmm. It may take two, three, four, five touches, but they're all worth it because it eventually gets to a purchase. Yes. And that's important when you're working on a nonfiction title. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And we did, we actually did our due diligence and we went out and we went to Books A Million and Barnes mm -hmm. Noble and we signed each book mm -hmm. and we put the little sticker that mm -hmm. says autograph. So we're definitely trying to create a personal, mm -hmm. personal relationship with yeah. our readers. And I think that's, that's huge. I went to a book signing up and uh, for, one of my literary heroes, one of my favorite authors, Robert Hicks, mm -hmm. up in Nashville recently, and uh, it was for his, the release of his paperback version of The Orphan Mother. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, they sold out. Yeah. And the reason why is because Robert is such a loving and giving individual that um, he managed to bring as many people out for the release of Orphan Mother, the paperback, as he probably did for the hardback version. So when you're giving and you're doing those kinds of things, like going to a bookstore, you know, they ran out of books. He offered to come back on Monday and sign oh, wow. the yeah. new books that came in. Yeah. Um, so when you're doing that kind of giving and that kind of give back both to your community, because he's huge in his community, does all kinds of things for people in his community, um, and helping other writers, mm -hmm. that comes back around. Oh, it yeah. circles back around. Oh, I think wow. it's incredibly important. We definitely have received so much help that we kind of oh, definitely absolutely. feel like absolutely. whatever you need us to do, we are there. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a process. So. so how many? So the book came out on September August August twenty eighth. Yeah. Okay, and uh, how many events have you done? I don't even know. I, I mean, I think because we have so many still on the books. Yeah. Um, so we have. I'd say we've done maybe. 12 events probably okay. 12 events so far so we have at least two a week sometimes three yeah <laughs> so um so the, and that's not including kind of the little radio spots that okay. we've done and, and that's in so really 20 days right yeah yeah, yeah. So, so you've done 12 events in 20 days that's pretty amazing it's mm, am i am i over i mean no I'm, no no i think you're, you're a little under because the the week that it came out, it came out on a Monday. We did we did five and, events, and we on had the week that it came out, we had a whole roll of events, and then it was Labor Day weekend, and so we were all we didn't do anything that Monday, but by Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah, we so had yeah, events. We, we've definitely okay. and it's yeah, we've definitely crammed crammed them in. Yeah, so, and I'm still I'm still happy. And you're both working. Yes. yes. So it's not yes. like you can just 
Yes. Go to events willy and Nilly. Too, she has like a terrible work schedule because like she works at evenings, which of course is when they want us to come right. for events. And so. I'm so fortunate that yeah. my employer has just been super excited and has been very accommodating. That's great. Yeah, because with a beer book, of course they would want you there in the evening. Of course, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Or the, yeah. Or on the weekend. Or on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And and I honestly the weekend hasn't been great because they're so busy on the weekends we're in the way so yeah they don't want us too much on the weekend yeah. but thursdays are kind of yeah so you've done um you've done beer places so mm-hmm. um bars or breweries, yeah, breweries and bottle shops yeah. craft beer places craft beer places and some festivals, mm-hmm. and yeah. you're doing some civic events. So you've got a signing coming up at the Visitors Bureau. We do. We do. And uh, Huntsville is really um, branding themselves as a craft beer town. Absolutely. In yes. a big way. Yes. So um, that's going to be an important event. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else are you guys we planning? We do have some, we're trying to set up some stuff up with the historical societies. Um, we have. In, not until January. So we have some things in, already in January. Because yeah. they typically need a little more time. Right. Because they set their guests more, up, But that's so. great. Right. So yeah. it's good because we can take a little bit of a breather. <laughs> so We've also done a couple of radio interviews. Sarah traveled to Atlanta to be on Beer Guy Radio. I dialed in. I was at work. <laughs> <laughs> I dialed in. Again, yay bosses for letting yeah, that. Absolutely. That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so and and how many people listen to Beer Guy Radio? I should know. I, no I would imagine it's it pretty big, a, right? Yeah, because it is out of Atlanta, so, so and then they cut co- they cover the southeast. Okay, so, so yeah. it covers the yeah, whole southeast. That's great. So, okay. So, okay. So it was cool. a lot of fun. But, That's yeah. exciting. So we had fun, but it's definitely been a whirlwind learning experience, yeah. and so that's what we we were saying. We were sitting at a, a brewery, and we're like. After kind of getting rained on and everything, and we're like, this is just not as the glamour driver <laughs> that you kind of envision. Yeah, but it's it's still been really fun. So. Yeah, but this is this is a big part of writing a book. I mean, Absolutely. You know, yeah. there there's all kinds of statistics. So there's this the statistic that eighty percent of people want to write a book. Oh, wow. Okay, so when you talk to people, they go, oh, I want to write a book. Oh, I'm going to write a book. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. so you always hear that 80% of people want to write a book. And then it comes, drops down unbelievably to something like 20% of people actually write a book. Oh, wow. Okay. From start to finish, you know, they have a book. And then the number drops even smaller, and it becomes something that between 8 and 10% of people actually publish a book. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys are in a very small um, group of people who have actually accomplished the goal that you set out to accomplish. And then the numbers drop even smaller to the number of books every year that are actually successful. Mm. And part right, of being yeah. a successful book mm-hmm. um, is that you're willing to do the work. Yeah, Once absolutely. the book is published, you have to do the work. You have yeah. to do the marketing. Well, and I think it is so much, so much went into it for the year that there was no way we weren't going to see it to no. the end. Because yeah, you worked so, so hard on the yeah, book. Yeah, so. it was. It was, I think, it was good for us, for for, for me, I will I'll speak for myself. Um, for me, it was really beneficial to have a publisher because my fear of letting down a publisher made this book happen. Okay. So the very bitter end, I mean, I was working days and nights and, you know, har- harassing my poor husband to do edits at all hours and... Um, following up interviews days before it was due and so it was I mean I didn't see people for for like two months but because I had someone waiting for it it, yeah. it was yeah. so the pressure of being on a contract yes yeah yeah kept you guys yeah on yeah. schedule and going yeah. absolutely yeah because I think for myself I mean I always had I was the that person that had lots of book ideas mm-hmm. but I was like I need a book under my belt mm-hmm. to, yeah. to make it happen yeah. and so this this was definitely the opportunity that did that for us yeah. and and now we've seen that it's possible I think there are lots of moments where you're like I don't think this is gonna happen <laughs> like I mean we definitely had nights where I was like I, I don't even see how it's possible yeah. that we're gonna have a book at the end of this because we're so far off into you know yeah. field at this point so 
Yeah, we, especially during the research period, we were so naive. I can remember sitting with Sarah, and yes, pre, was, let's say pre-research period. Like yeah, we pre- barely glanced at what we, was available. And we were talking about, well, even when we were doing the proposal, and yes, Sarah can completely blame me for this, um, that initially they wanted Huntsville beer. And we're sitting there talking about it, and I'm thinking back through history, and and I look at Sarah and I said, I just really don't think there's enough. Why don't we do North Alabama? Well, because I already, I was like, ooh, there's Goat Island, and there's Back 40, and all the, I'm, you know, over in Florence. And yeah. so I'd already been talking to a lot of those breweries for the magazine work. So I was like, we don't get to include any of them. Yeah. So, so um, we bit that off. So we bit Because when we, we did the proposal, we're like, how about North Alabama? Yeah. And they were like, yes, that sounds awesome. So yeah. then then we were like, well, we it's history press, so a good portion needs to be what we call ancient history, which yeah. isn't even ancient history. It's the 1800s yeah. through the 1950s. And we were hedging our bets that there wouldn't be a ton of information just in Huntsville. And, oh, were we wrong? <laughs> I mean, we got to... Prohibition and the craziness that happened in Decatur and even to Madison County, just mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, it could have been volumes. Yeah. And so we ended up researching till what, September? When we were yeah, finally we, like, we were researching till like weeks before. Well, yeah. We were still having to pull kind of confirming things and yeah. pulling stuff. So yeah. And and I will say writing is so much of what you don't include, because I had some beautiful chapters that when in the you had, trash. To, you had to kill your baby. I did. Yeah. And so, and there were stuff that I was like, that's so good. It doesn't fit into the book. But I love that done. you guys um, understood that. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. it's so important. Um, one of my, uh, mine and Laura's pet peeves, and it's always funny, but it's also sad too, mm-hmm. is we get um, queries from people that say, my book complete at uh, 250,000 words. <gasps> And I'm just like, oh my my, that yeah. not gonna fly because yeah. you're lucky if, as a debut author, nonfiction, if we're yeah. looking at 85 to maybe 105, yeah. that's the sweet spot. Yeah. And if it's a topic that you know you're a historian or you're you're you know if you are um, Malcolm Gladwell or someone who has been around for a while, mm-hmm. you might get away with 150,000 words, but anything north of that, forget it. It's not yeah. going to happen yeah. because we don't have that kind of attention span right. as readers right. anymore. Yeah. There are some books, um, really thick, dense, weighty books that publishers are willing to take a chance on, but mm-hmm. not as a debut author. And our goal was, too, to sell books. So we knew yeah. we had a very specific audience, so we didn't yep. want them to... <laughs> be bored because or lose interest right but what one of the things that you guys can do and i don't know if you've thought about it but it's um another way of marketing your book take some of that work that you've kind of tossed Mm -hmm. aside that you pulled out make that into an article right and we've definitely discussed that as well so So that keeps the life of the book going for a long time is if you're publishing articles then at the bottom you're saying you know the author of north alabama beer and then people go, oh, well, this was interesting. Maybe I want to read more about this. Yeah. And then they go, they dip back in. Um, one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording was that um, there's a big beer festival here in Huntsville mm-hmm. in May. Yep. Which is great because yes. that gives you the opportunity. Um, you know, normally when you do a book like this, you've got six weeks to three months mm-hmm. to really capture the audience and get the book sales. And then your book kind of gets moved aside in the bookstores. It kind of gets moved aside in the the conversations about books because there are 50 million other books that are coming right behind you. That train just keeps moving. New books are coming out all the time. So you've got a very tight window to make those initial sales and to do well with your book initially. But if if you're lucky enough and blessed enough to have another event coming, you know, in May, that gives you a little bit of a resurgence with the book. And you can start these conversations again. You can get in front of 
newspaper people right, yeah. and, and other uh, media mm-hmm. so that the conversation can continue. So that's fantastic. And we discussed that because the History Press, they provide six weeks of support mm-hmm. for the book. And so we were like, how are we going to continue this after the six weeks? Yeah. Um, and so we definitely had penciled in a lot of events. And that's why a lot of the historical things are pushed to right. January just so we yeah. can. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay, so I have to ask, and you may not want to to say, so if you don't have one, you can list three. Oh, okay. What are your, what's your favorite beer in North Alabama? Well. I'm putting y'all on the spot. I will, so I will say I'm a really moody beer drinker. So if it's hot, I want something really citrusy and kind of hoppy. And if it's cold, I like the more malty chocolate. So so it's really weather differences for me. But I will say, um, I, and now, and I will, I can't drink beer anymore because <laughs> I learned I had a weed allergy two oh, weeks after is, we got the contract. Honey, I'm right there with you. And it was heartbreaking for me. And that's part oh. of the reason why when I moved back to Alabama that I really got on the bourbon train because if I drink a a beer that has too much weed in it, I had my head stepped up. I can't breathe. My throat closes up. It's and it was so sad for me because I love craft beer, but can't do it. But yeah, that's so I did find the same thing. Yeah. I had beers that I really liked before. I had breweries, I will say that were kind of go to, and it was sort of the biggies. So I loved, um, yellow hammer was where my husband and I always would go. And, um, because it's not just a great beer, it's a great atmosphere. It is. Yeah. And they it's got, a, a really great place. Pizza's amazing. Yeah. And they have adult ice cream. And, and they have <laughs> outdoor yeah. space. They do. Yeah. yeah. And um, so we would go there. I, I love the guys at Salty Nut just because they're just so kind of quirky and yeah. off the wall. And so I think it is, you do feel a little bit, because I've spent so much time with them, you know, I do feel really, you know. Like, yeah. I have a relationship with all of them. With all so, of them. I can tell you benefits of every single, every single cool. brewery that we covered. Very cool. Yeah. And Cammie, what about you? For me, I always go back to bourbon. So, <laughs> bourbon-barreled aged beers. That's where your heart is. That's yeah. And like that has some really... Straight to Ale has yeah. some really yeah. amazing bourbon. Yeah. I think and, and blue, like a bourbon by Straight to Ale was probably the first bourbon-aged beer that I had ever had and I was oh, like, wow, this is fabulous. Cool. And now some of the other breweries locally are doing it and then there's some national beers that come in that are really nice. So have you thought about doing a bourbon book? I don't know. <laughs> I, I keep looking on the shelves. Um, there's there's so many. Yeah, there are. There's so there are. many. It's, it's a big, it's, and especially in the last five years or so, bourbon yes. has really taken off and it's become a big thing. If you had Bib and Tucker. I have not. Okay. Bib and Tucker. It's like That's my new time. favorite thing. It's okay. amazing. It's so good. It's smooth. It's fantastic. Whiskey ball, mm. Bib and Tucker. Best okay. thing ever. So, um, what's next then? If there's not going to be a bourbon book, what are you working on now? I just got back from a scouting trip. I drove over to Hillsboro, Alabama, to the Joe Wheeler home. Mm-hmm. Joe Wheeler, what for people not in the area, he was um, first a federal soldier. He went to West Point. Then during the Civil War, he loved his state of Georgia. He was a Civil War officer. And then after the Civil War, he's unique in that he also went back into the federal army and served um, after the Civil War. He was a big um, catalyst for talking about what it means to be one nation. Mm-hmm. He has been written about extensively. However, his daughter, Annie, has not. And she is quite the character. She um, probably is the reason why we know Joe Wheeler preserved his legacy, but she was a woman unto herself uh, in the day and age where her peers were the Vanderbilts and uh, they were taking spa trips to Eureka Springs or to New York. She was in Manila during the Philippine insurgents 
And wow. she also was in France during World War One. She had initially uh, went to uh, Cuba for the Spanish-American War um, and trained as a nurse under Clara Barton. And so she traveled the world serving her nation as a nurse. And then when she came back, she was quite the humanitarian. And so I really feel like there's a story there to be told. It's, it's, I love those stories and I think they're fascinating. Um, it brings to mind the story of the women uh, in Hidden Figures. Yes. It brings to mind, uh, for me, um, I go back to Robert Hicks and his yes. um, explore, exploration of Carrie McGlavick's life and uh, taking the real. And I know you've talked about doing it. We, we've had conversations about you doing it both ways, both fictional and non-fictional. Correct. But bringing those people kind of out of the shadows, um, especially women right now, it's, it's huge that we're starting to hear these stories of women um, and what their contributions have been. Oh, absolutely. Because for so long, you know, and as a historian, uh, you know, until the 1970s, really, it was all about great white men. Mm -hmm. We did the history of great white men, and that's wars, events, and great white men. Mm -hmm. um, so it really hasn't been that long that we are starting to look at, you know, the, the history of actual people. Yes. And especially women. She's it's fascinating. She's also very interesting because she kind of crosses this line in American history. She goes from uh, the turn of the century on into uh, all the way into prohibition, and she, for a woman of that time period, she really has my heart because I truly believe that. If it would have been available to her, she would have been in the military. Mm -hmm. She would have been a, a statesperson, mm -hmm. a politician. Um, but she had what she had, and she made the best of it. Yeah. And um, and she had to figure out a way to make herself relevant and yes. do the things she wanted to do within her time and period. To, and to break out of those norms. Yeah. Um, we don't typically think of socialites in Alabama, but truly... If we had a socialite, it would have been Annie. Yeah. And for her to say, oh, I'm going to Cuba to nurse these poor folks, that, that, that was radical. Yeah. That yeah. Was, it would have been unheard of. It would have. Yeah. Because so. not only was she from um, extensive wealth, but she was from the South, yes. and we just didn't do that. So yeah. she was going against two big oh. cultural forces. Yes. Yeah fascinating that's it i can't wait to hear more about it and to talk to you more about it because i just i love those stories i love bringing those people out of the shadows i think it's fantastic and we have so much that we can learn from that oh absolutely yeah very cool and you my dear so i am actually currently finishing um the, I just finished the photography and editing of a cookbook for a local chef. So that is sort of happening while I'm planning events for the book tour. So that has kind of consumed all of my time, those two things. Um, but I do have some stories that uh, we had found during... Um, the research for the Huntsville Beer book where I was like, I will never write a history book again. And I said that over and over and over again. And then before the book was done, I started telling my husband, I was like, I think I want to write another <laughs> history book. And he was like, you're crazy. Um, but um, I do have uh, that story. And I, like I said, I have a lot of um, kind of nonfiction, uh, some, some fictional stories that have been there for decades that I would not mind exploring so I think uh, November is going to be a bit of a sabbatical for me and I've already planned I'm going to start you know spending a week per November to explore different projects so that by December I will be working on the next the next big that's one. great because so, I need to focus on one thing a yeah because now you know that you can do it Absolutely, and I think that, that that was what was going in. Going in, we both said, look, this is a thesis. We're treating this as a thesis. Mm -hmm. We need to see that we can do it. We need to see that we can follow through. We need to see that we don't hate it. And I think by and the time we hated it for a while. But once it was, like, in our hands, we were like, oh, my 
gosh, this is a thing. Now I want to do it again. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think Homer Hickam said in one of the conferences that I attended, he said, you'll know when you're done, when you hate it, when you can't look at it again, walk away from it, and it, it'll be done. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we got to, and the fact that it had to be done because we were at the deadline. Yeah. But we we learned when people say, well, what did you learn? We say, we learned how to write a book. Yeah, yeah we feel like we're ready to write a book now. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> You've had a class in publishing yeah. just it, by the seat of your pants. That's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. That's and it was awesome. certainly a learning curve. I mean, now I would do things really different. Mm-hmm. So it was. It was very trial and error. Yeah. From day one, it was trial and error. So, uh, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you, you joining us no, on the Literary Lunch and sharing your experience of working and publishing and marketing North Alabama Beer and Intoxicating History, yes. which is available at Amazon mm-hmm. and Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. Noble. If okay. you are local, go to Wish Your Beer and uh, Wish You Were Beer. Yes. If you're if you're here in Huntsville, Wish You Were Beer, and you can pick up a signed copy, a signed copy, and some beer. So it's and where are you going to be next? What's your next event? We are going to be at the CVB this Thursday, and on Saturday we're actually going to be in Gunnersville. So. Okay. And where are you going to be in Gunnersville? Bakers on the Main. Okay. So yep. if you're local, Bakers on the Main in Gunnersville or yes. the Convention Bureau. Yes. Visitors Bureau yep. on Church Street. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Literary Lunch Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you go to iTunes or SoundCloud and leave us a review. Next time on The Literary Lunch, my partner Laura will be back with us and we're going to be talking about a day in the life of an agent and some of the things that we've been up to that are a little bit outside the norm of what agents do. Until then, keep writing and reading. We'll talk to you soon.